Welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the podcast of Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop gaming, and the vast world of nerd culture. I'm Rob Mackey. I'm joined, as always, by Mike Daniel. Mike, how's it going, man? I'm doing great, Rob. How are you today? Oh, all right. It's hot, man. It's hot everywhere, I guess. For sure, yeah. So, Heat waves know. abound uh, as the uh, Gulf Coast is getting rocked by a hurricane. So, you know. Could be worse. Yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, so we're here today, as Rob said, to talk about uh, various aspects of Dungeons and & Dragons and other tabletop games. Um, as I always like to mention, you know, a lot of our advice is kind of informed by D&D because that's what we play the most and that's what we're both most familiar with, I think. Uh, but a lot of our advice does apply to other tabletop RPGs. I have been dipping into others as well just to get, uh, you know, a broader scope on the tabletop RPG spectrum. Um, so we, we try to, you know, make things as, as open as possible and as uh, be able to apply to any sort of uh, gaming situation. Um, but that's where we're coming from as a place of uh, dun- from Dungeons and Dragons for the most part, uh, with a little bit of knowledge from other things as well. Uh, and today we are going to talk about tips for being a dungeon master or a game master in your tabletop RPG. 100%. How to <laughs> run a game. What goes into it? What do you what uh, do you need to know? What skills are going to be the most useful? What's the best way to kind of deal with the many, many, many unexpected things that are going to happen at your gaming table when you're in the middle of running a game. Absolutely. Um, So we're going to kick things off with uh, rule number one, which is the same as rule number one for being a player. Don't be a dick. (laughs) You're here to have fun. Your party's here to have fun. You don't, like, you can challenge them and be a little bit adversarial without being a total asshole to them and shitting on everything that they're trying to do. Um, Your job is to make sure that everyone is having a good time. That is ultimately your role as the dungeon master or a game master. Yep. You uh, want to make sure that, like, again, um, you're not, like, putting people out, I guess, is the phrase I would use, I guess. You don't want to, like, um, it's, again, it's okay because a lot of times... um, uh, most games have like um, villains, I guess, and that's part of your responsibility. So part of um, doing that well is, again, being somewhat antagonistic, but um, you want to be able to um, do so in a way that's not actually going to like um, impede on your players actually in, in enjoying themselves, basically. Exactly. So be, be the villain in a story that still would be fun to read or watch, right? Like, you don't want to prevent your players from having fun. You want to challenge the characters that they are playing as. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and another thing, just if you're starting up a game, um, whether it be, a, you know, you're doing a one shot or you are building a campaign that's going to go from first to 20th level, 
uh, a really good piece of advice is to talk to your players about what sort of game they want to play. Um, it's, it's important to know what they're going to have fun doing and then put those types of things in your game. Um, and not everybody's going to be the same. You know, you, some people are going to enjoy the dungeon crawlers. Some people are not. Some people will want to have a really RP focused, a role playing focused uh, game or campaign or session or whatever. And you need to be able to accommodate that. Um, some people really just like having the, you know, the power fantasy of uh, I'm going to hit this thing with my sword and I'm going to hit it a lot and hurt it a lot. Um, and you need to empower that as well. So talk to your players and, you know, let them tell you what they expect to get out of the game and then include those things in your game. And, and it doesn't always need to be, you know, a direct conversation that you're having either. Sometimes you can get into playing with your friends or with your strangers online and start to figure out what they are having fun doing as you're going along and then just implement more of those things in the game. Exactly. I would go so far as to say, like, talk to your players is kind of, I wouldn't even go so far as to classify it as rule two, right? It's like rule right. one and a half, basically. <laughs> right. Rule one A. Yeah. Like, um, to be like communication is the foundation of being just kind of a like conscientious, like person in general. And like with tabletop games, it's really no different. And because you're because you are the GM like um and I've definitely seen it where like the GM isn't necessarily the guy who like puts everything together as it were but a lot of you are still even if you're but a lot of times they still are and even if you're in a situation where you are GMing and you're not like totally like the guy who knows everybody else or whatever like you're still going to be the nexus of a lot of questions and a lot of um how you say just kind of the whole um interconnected web of uh everything that's going on at the table is stuff that you kind of have to i i don't want to say lord over because that's not exactly again we're trying to not be dicks it's the idea is like to do the opposite of that to kind of be like kind of an open like um source for player questions and be able to like mediate i guess exactly yeah being able to mediate and, and adjudicate rules and kind of make rule callings on the fly because regardless of how much you plan out a session your players are still going to find ways to throw things at you that you were not at all expecting so you need to be able to um, uh, have a, a, enough of a knowledge and a presence to be able to you know, respond to those sorts of things quickly, but and, and in a way that is um, answering the question or leading the player to go in the direction that they want to go. For sure. You're, again, and Mike has definitely said this, and but I'll say it as well, yeah to kind of piggyback off that like teasing out not necessarily teasing out but like responding to what your players are telling you they want to do is something you have to kind of do with like an open mind absolutely yeah if you go into a game like set of this is how it's going to go and these are all the things that's going to happen uh then there's a much higher chance that there are going to be certain aspects of it that are not fun to other people. 
Um, so you have to be open to what the rest of the players bring to the table as well. Um, I, I think the the role of the dungeon master uh, sometimes gets looked on as like it's uh, you know the 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 players versus the dungeon master, and that is that's a mindset that everybody needs to stray away from. Um, and there are reasons behind that having happened, but that that doesn't need doesn't mean that it's something that we need to persist for sure. And there's kind of there's kind of the related, I think, um, complex, if if that's the right word, of, um, and this is something I say this um, because this is something that happens to me. I think where as a DM you kind of get like an auteurist vision in your head of sorts where you're just like and then this <laughs> will happen and then we'll do this and i will run the game in this style and everybody's going to love it and it's going to be great and like we'll get to like uh like it's great to have a vision and ideas i would say it's kind of necessary but like it's not oh for it's sure it's not the end all and be all of the game and you have to know you have to um, understand um, when to put your conceptions of how the game was going to go aside, and <laughs> absolutely the real trick with um, the real trick with GMing in that um, respect too is a lot of it. Um, a lot of it is about experience. You might just be like, well, how am I supposed to know exactly what my players are trying to tell me about what they want to do? How am I supposed to know that it's like, well, I kind of want this to happen in my games. And I want to kind of set these boundaries, but my players are kind of pushing back on it and I'm not sure what to do. A lot of that is just experience. It's experience and uh, being able to compromise on things. For sure. And experimenting as well. You need to be able to test things out. And if it doesn't work, then try something else. Um, and, and that uh, what you're kind of saying here leads into one of my other points um, that I always like to give to people about DMing is, you know, don't don't worry too much about planning every single aspect out. Um like it's good to, like you said, like have a plan and have a vision for what your one shot or your campaign or your three games that you're going to play in this setting are. Um, but you need it's much easier to like plant seeds and then let those grow when your players get there. Um, so if you, you know, plan, plan out this, oh, this, they're going to go into the forest and it's going to be dark and haunted and it's the forest of ultimate evil. <laughs> and then the players are like, oh, well, the sign says that this is a very dangerous forest. So let's go the other way. Like you need to be able to, you know, adjust on the fly for they didn't take that path that I was had planned out for them. So now what do I have? What am I going to do? Yeah. How do I still use all of this material that I have? Uh, and there are a couple of ways you can do that. Um, I, I would say, you know, one way is um, finding a way to sort of railroad the players into going back, if you will. Not too harshly, but it's like, okay, so they didn't go into the dangerous forest and you don't really know what to do that's outside of that forest. So what happens is a thief comes along uh, and steals something from the party and then runs into the deadly forest that they didn't want to go into so now if they want to get their thing back they have to go into that 
Um, so that's one way you can kind of indirectly, without them realizing it, ultimately sort of railroad the party into the path that you wanted to, but in a way that you maybe didn't think was the way that they were going to go. Because not every party is going to see, you know, this dangerous forest and go, oh, let's go have an adventure in this dangerous forest. Some are going to be like, no, fuck that. Let's go the safe route. Uh, well, haha, little did you know, you're getting pulled in there anyway. Yeah. Um, and the second aspect to that is being able to adjust the encounters that you had planned for that forest. You can take the dungeon that you had in there or the ruins that the party was going to run across and find whatever, you know, magic or cursed item that was there that would spur them on to other things. You can just pick that up and kind of reflavor it and drop it in front of them in another way. So those ruins now, they aren't in a forest. They are uh, visible from the side of the road on the edge of a cliff or on the shore that they are riding along or, you know, find some other way to sort of reflavor some of those things that you already had planned um, and put them somewhere else that is in the way of the party and what they're trying to do. Yes, absolutely. I think... Um... There's uh, it's weird because the question of of like planning and preparation, I think, sort of exists on a it exists on several levels, um, because like in say the example of like um, that like you need to go through the evil forest because that's where the thing is, um, so. Here's the thing about the concept of railroading. Um, railroading, um, for those of you who may not know this term, it's kind of a oh ages old um, buzzword, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, in the tabletop gaming community. Railroading is when um, you as the GM, for whatever reason, um, not necessarily for whatever reason, but it's when you as the GM kind of like steer the players really hard into kind of a specific course of action, broadly speaking. Right. So in this, in this instance, say again, let's return to Mike's example of like, well, you have this adventure prepared and it happens in this forest. And uh, when they come to the forest, they decide, oh, that's too dangerous. We don't want to go that way. Um, so railroading would just be um it's weird sorry at the risk of getting too discursive here it's a i have a weird kind of like complex slash theory about uh railroading because i think on a certain level like it's not always bad right for sure um, yeah as as a DM or a GM, you're, you're going to need to guide the story in a certain direction to make sure that things happen and that it's a story that at least somewhat makes sense. Um, so occasionally you're going to have to sort of take the reins and steer the story in a certain direction. Um, but it, it becomes a bad thing when you're taking too much of the agency away from the players. Um, so if in my example of, you know, fork in the road going into the deadly forest and going away from it, players say that they're going to go away from it. You're like, oh, well, nope, it, you're not allowed to go that way, actually, because you have to go into the forest now. Uh, the You didn't realize it, but there's a, actually a dead end or something, and now you really only have one option. 
of going into the forest. Um, or, you know, some other way that you kind of take the reins on the story that takes away the agency of the players coming to the tabletop game, which is, uh, you know, you're all sort of playing the game together. So you need to be able to allow those players to have certain freedoms. Um, but at the same time, there's a little bit of a delicate balance where you do have to kind of steer the story in certain directions to make sure that, you know, some things do happen that need to happen for the sake of the adventure that you have prepared. Yeah, for sure. And I think with, uh, as long as, I think most players of like sufficient, um, maturity for lack of a less judgmental like word i guess kind of understand that like no like um whoever is jamming put like work into this and like they have a certain thing prepared for this and like they're down for the um idea of like this is the thing that we're going to be doing in this session as opposed to like um let's try and break the game and become pirates or whatever. <laughs> right right um yeah, so, those are the, honestly these are the types of conversations that you need to have in like a session zero, as it were, of you know figuring out what the party is going to enjoy doing. So, that kind of relating back to the earlier points of like talk to your players, uh, and and um, you know I I always like to ask players you know what they are looking to get out of the game so that I can put that in the game. Like I, I did a session zero for our most or current campaign with like a questionnaire. That's like, what type of stuff do you enjoy? Let me figure that out and how we can get that into the game. So that we didn't end up with situations where I was like, Oh, well you only, you're going into this forest now you have to, <laughs> it's the deadly forest and that's where the adventure is. So go, 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 go. And meanwhile, the party's like, oh, well, we want to go be pirates. So we, we're going to try and do that. Like, you have to have some communication about what is going to happen within this story, this one shot or a campaign or whatever, that the players have some awareness of what you are trying to do. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I would, in fact, go so far as to say that, like, really in the in this like broader sense of railroading where it's like how do i get the players to go do the thing that they're supposed to be doing i think this is kind of in a lot of ways this is more of a problem with like longer campaigns mm -hmm. um with one shots like honestly with one shots you can just stipulate and you start out at the entrance to the dungeon that is the dungeon that is the dungeon in this one shot <laughs> right Right. Like you're you're allowed to do that, right? For sure. Um uh in campaigns it can be a bit trickier because especially depending on your like relative level of storytelling ambition cuz me I if if it's me I run into problems with this um in terms of like information management for the players because like any good story has like especially in like uh high fantasy setting or really any genre type setting high fantasy sci-fi cyberpunk whatever there's a certain amount of mystery and intrigue in it not necessarily like um those are kind of loaded words i guess but like there's stuff that you don't know exactly what is going on that kind of fuels your interest in the story in general and um 
I get into trouble sometimes where it's just like, did I, where it, it feels like I didn't quite give my players enough information about what was going on. For sure. Enough of, enough for them to act on it. So you, again, this is an experience thing and uh, kind of something that like, maybe you have to like take a few lumps on, I guess. For yeah, for time. sure. And, and to, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, like, this is, yeah. Um, you have to allow yourself some space to screw this type of stuff up from time to time. For sure. Or at least forgive yourself when it does happen. That's the biggest, th- biggest thing, is don't don't beat yourself over the head too much when you do make a mistake or do, um, or don't, rather, you know, give enough information or make things make sense all of the way like it, it's okay you're all you're all just playing a game together ultimately it's not the end of the world if you know things didn't go exactly as you wanted or come out crystal clear to the players um but definitely take some time to uh you know acknowledge that and um learn from that and adapt from that i i like to ask my players like you know after a session sometimes if like how they liked it, you know, if they, if everything's making sense. Luckily, I live with one of my players for our main campaign, so I can always just talk to her after a game and be like, this is all making sense so far. Like, do you guys get where this is going? Um, and if it's not, she's very honest when saying, you know, that I need to be clear about things. So talk to your players. And <laughs> that's, I, that's yes. my biggest bit of advice to the DM is talk to your players. For sure. Um, always, yes. Talk to your players. Um, and to kind of build off of that or take it in another direction, rather, I, I always like involving the players in world building. I've started in our game, you may have noticed this, Rob, using a sort of a miniature version of this new rule that I'm going to implement fully. Um, but a, a concept that I call or that I've heard called, I guess, I know a guy. So the players have some agency to make up NPCs that they are familiar with. So, you know, if they ask you if they know a person who can do X, Y, and Z, say, okay, possibly, tell me who this person is and how you know them, right? And then that gives that player the moment to come up with a little bit of the world building for you. (laughs) They're doing your job for you, and it's a lot of fun. It makes things a lot easier for you as well. Um, and then they feel a little bit more familiar with that character rather than just some random NPC that you threw in front of them and said, no, this is your best friend from, you know, when, since you guys were both four years old or whatever. Like, they can tell you that this person was their best friend, and that means a little bit more to them. So involve your players in your world building. For sure. That's really smart. Because, uh, again, not to like wax about mistakes I've made too much you know, as I, again, stare off into the middle distance for a while. But, uh, yeah. Sad I think, um, yeah. Um, in general, like, yeah, find, um, there are like twin goals of like getting your players involved and also like rather that satisfies two goals because it gets your players more involved in like what's going on because again they kind of came up with it themselves and mike's right he definitely has been doing that a bit more i got to meet a nice new cleric lady who uh we just made up on the spot a few weeks ago 
mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. And uh, it also, it uh, also just like, because GMing is work, man. It really is. It's always <laughs> yes. going to be work, it, and it's yep. always going to take some time to like do that stuff. If you can find ways, like little ways like that to kind of pass some of that work off to your players, they will both appreciate it and you will kind of give yourself a breather. And you kind of want to be hustling for some of those. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I explained to one of my players uh, a few campaigns back, like in, in between sessions, you know, we were just kind of talking about ways to keep everyone engaged all of the time. And I, and I just sort of had the realization that as the dungeon master, as the game master, it is always your turn. <laughs> Even when it's another player's turn, it is still your turn because you were having to take in what they're doing and how that's affecting things in the game. Um, so you, you don't really get a break when you're playing, when you're the DM or GM um, in a game. And uh, yeah, finding ways to pass off some of that uh, responsibility to a player for even for just a split second gives you a chance to take a breather and take in what they are giving to you. Um, and then you can, you know, embody that NPC that they're coming up with or that place that they've been to, you know, in their backstory or whatever, whatever moment or detail that they are coming up with. 100%. Also, I will say though, if you need to, like, you can be like, okay, we're taking five or 15. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like that's, uh, (laughs) there's a, a great disclaimer in the, um, and the Dungeon Master's Guide, I think it is, uh, at the beginning, where it's like, you know, if you don't know something, uh, take a minute to roll some dice and, uh, you know, stare at them as if they mean something to you while you come up with what you need to do. Um, or if all else fails, pretend to be sick <laughs> and then call the game for the night. <laughs> Uh, because you don't know where to go. For sure. uh, that ha- that sort of happened to me in our, our last session, actually, talking about being able to improvise and take what the players are giving you and adapt <laughs> your plans for a session. I had uh, an adventure, the or a section of our adventure that I was going to take our players on, and I put the sort of the story hook for them at the end of the last session so that we started back up and we picked up from that, and the players went, uh, that's interesting, but we need to go check out all these other things real quick and spend some time doing other stuff. Uh, so the whole session I was essentially making up on the fly because I, I, I had some of it, you know, thought out a little bit, um, but uh, wasn't prepared to do any of that that game. Uh, so I, I spent <laughs> about three hours uh, making shit up, which happens sometimes. Um, but you need to be able to do that. It does. It's true. And like, here's the thing with that, though. Here is kind of my like Zen teaching on um, the sort of the improvisational aspect of GMing. Give yourself time when you need it. If you really can't like, um, if you can't come up with a certain thing like right there, right on the fly, right on the spot, if you don't necessarily know like if you don't even know if there's like a rules question and you don't necessarily know the rule well enough off the top of your head to um 
make a like decisive or even decisive ish ruling on it in a timely fashion it's okay to be like oh shit yeah i actually need to look this up and see what i think about this or if you're in a situation where you're um you're not necessarily sure where the adventure is going to go you can just be like give me one sec while i figure this out like you're allowed i I, I kind of Um, remembered where the point that i was trying to drive towards uh is that you know i ended the session last week after improvising a bunch because the party found uh what i had you know planned out to be a dungeon that is below a warehouse but i didn't have that dungeon filled in at all like i have nothing on paper for that um and didn't have any you know any real idea about what was going to be down there um so they found the secret entrance to get to that and i'm like well we're calling the game here today, guys, because I don't have this next thing prepared. Um, and I don't want to do a disservice to you all as players by making a bunch of crap up that I don't have ready. Um, so I, I just had to be upfront and be like, yeah, guys, we have to end here because I don't have any, I don't know what to do from here. Um, so let's call the session here. And sometimes you just have to do that. And that's okay. It's true. And again, talk to your players. Transparency is <laughs> Absolutely. good. Like it can be very it can be very scary because like um you are to a certain extent like in a position of like authority over this game, right? And so like it can be hard um and like I try not to be like an authoritarian ballbuster in any aspect of like, my <laughs> right. life, but I do find I do find that sometimes when I'm GMing a game, I, that impulse kicks in where it's like, if I don't like, if I like show weakness, I'm going to be destroyed. <laughs> and hopefully that's not the situation you're playing right. in. I would go so far as to say that if you feel it is, consider talking to your players about that because that sounds uh, less than ideal, shall we say. For sure. So... Yeah, like if you, yeah, if you kind of run out of, if you run into the next thing that you can't do quite, um, yeah, tell your players that. If you, uh, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, if you need to take a break to look up a ruling or to pause and think about where to go next, that's fine. Just let your players know that's what you're doing. Say, hey, let's take five. You guys, you know, talk amongst yourselves, have a good time. Um, I'm going to step away for a quick second and, uh, figure out, you know, what we're going to do next or where this is going to go, or I need to take a minute to dig into the rule book and see how this one thing works out. So we're going to pause the game for a sec and then we'll get right back to it. That's okay. Um, not, not every session needs to be like in air quotes, the perfect session, you know? You can take moments to pause the game and talk things out or look things up or figure things out. Um, don't worry that you're letting the party down because you're you're not going to as long as you're communicating. <laughs> and again, we get back to that, that rule 1A is talk to your players, just communication. Um, that's, that's really the key when it comes to yep. being a DM. And uh, just to kind of piggyback off of something you said just there, it's like, keep in mind, too, if you need to, like, kind of calm yourself down, like, um, here's the thing. And this is something that I always struggle with 
um, because I'm like a relentlessly self-critical person. But like your players are probably having fun. Even if you think you're like kind of laying an egg yeah. in the session, like seriously, your players are probably having fun or at least like being kind of chill and or have a like opportunity to chill and relax and like enjoy themselves. They're not necessarily like if you're like me, it can be easy to get in your head about stuff that you uh, feel you're screwing mm -hmm. up, I guess is the way to put it. Like, I wouldn't even I would hesitate to say that like um you know you're screwing up because again like it can be easy to lose sight of like say if you screw something like minor up in like the dungeon right it's like oh well, like somebody asks you it's like oh is the ceiling and you say 20 feet and it's actually 10 or some shit like that like I mean circle back and correct yourself right but like that's not ruining people's night. Right. Like, yeah, I yeah. definitely give yourself uh, way more credit than you think is right to as a DM, as far as being too, too critical of yourself. Cause there's a good chance that, you know, regardless of how you feel like a session is going, that the players, um, at least for the most part are still going to be having a good time. Um, I remember actually to bring up something that you said to me once, Rob, uh, after I had run a session back when we were playing our 3.5 game. Um, and I um, I kind of took a pre-written adventure and adopted some of it and, and kind of exchanged certain parts. Um, and I was having a little bit of a tough time just kind of like uh, I'm trying too hard to stick to this uh, pre-written adventure um, that I which I hadn't really ever done done uh before uh and i i was a little self-conscious about it but then at the end of the game you rob told me that it was one of the funnest adventures that you guys had been on in that game and i was like oh shit <laughs> i guess i was doing something right <laughs> so ah, wait which one was that i don't remember those uh days so i'm, I'm struggling to remember <laughs> exactly where it was but it was um uh, you guys were pretty high level, somewhere around like 13th or so, and um, it was like an ice-based adventure, and you were going up a mountain um, to get somewhere, and I, I don't fucking remember what the adventure itself was, um, but uh, there was a lot of different like things that I hadn't dealt with before in that pre-written adventure, like some difficult terrain stuff and you know, using the sort of like ice mechanics for it um that were there and i was really just kind of focused on oh i have to get all of this right and make sure that it all makes sense etc cetera, etc cetera. and was feeling really self-conscious by the end of it um and then you mentioned that you had a lot of fun and i was like oh fuck <laughs> okay well i can i can uh you know not hate myself as much right now i think so <laughs> in part anyway Word. yeah happy to help <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure no, it's good. Yeah, it's good to it's good to like have that moment of like, oh yeah, people are enjoying themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Even especially when you're, especially when you f sort of feel like you're not bringing your A game. I've had like, there's been times where like, I ran a, I would run a game and I thought it went less than excellently and like I was like gloomy for several days mm -hmm. afterward i so like 
obviously I'm not saying like don't do that. Um, well, I am saying don't do that, but I would say try not to right. do that. It's not, yeah. People are probably still enjoying themselves anyway, and I know that like you kind of put your like work and your sweat into it and all that, but like it is a game. Right. Like, At the end of the day, you guys are all just playing a game, and you need to remember that. Yep. For sure. I uh, kind of want to circle back a bit um, to some more um, discussions on railroading. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I kind of railroaded the conversation away from that, so feel free to, to take us back there. Hey, it's all good. Well, I guess my theory of railroading is that it sort of exists on two levels. There's the broader story level, which we kind of discussed pretty in mm-hmm. detail, right? Like you want you want your players to go here and then they maybe don't. On, um, there's that broader story level, but I think it also exists kind of more in a like, um, uh, at the level of like, cause obviously not every game has like dungeon crawls mm-hmm. exactly. And not every, not every session of D and D say has like dungeon crawls right. exactly, but like, say you're playing, um, Say you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and you're in a dungeon. Say you're playing Shadowrun and you're on like uh, you're on a mission. Um, there's kind of the other side of railroading where um, how to say like you'll say you're preparing from a module, and the module says, well, in order to um, get to the next room or get this object that lets you get to the next room you have to do this thing i think it's important to be either um flexible enough to like allow the a uh, different solution to be improvised or if you like are um if you have enough time to prepare something to like maybe come up with like a different solution for, for something. sure because i think there's a very I saw somewhere I forget which uh, subreddit D and D related subreddit this was, but um, so unfortunately I can't credit anybody properly on this. I'm just going to steal their anecdote and then (laughs) if they hear us and and they want to shout themselves out, then they should absolutely feel free to do that. Yes, feel free to contact (laughs) us. Anyway, so they were saying it's like well. It was from a the person who was writing was one of the players, and they were like, "Well, we got to the walls of the city, and then we were like, can't we just grapple hook up the walls of the city?'" And because the DM was like, um, or the GM was like, "Well, uh, no, uh, you can't, uh, because the way the way the GM had prepared it, um, like the thing that happens was specifically related to." either trying to bust down the gate or go through the gate specifically in some way. That was kind of like the trigger that like set the whole next thing in motion. And I was just like, I just felt so bad for that poor guy. Cause then all of a sudden you're in a situation. This is, um, this is one of the situations where you've kind of put yourself into a hole because like your players are going to try and do different things. So you have to, if either if you're preparing from a module that only proposes one solution to a problem or if you um 
are doing a homebrew and you're trying to think of like puzzles and like you're kind of designing your own puzzles or scenarios like just have an out so that if like your players decide to do something else it's not a disaster and you have some ability to react to it and yeah absolutely yeah. and you can you can all often find ways to take the ideas that you had and adapt them to what your players do so i'm i'm not sure you know this story that you were talking about but let's just say uh, yeah, let's just say that the the DM had some event that was going to happen on the other side of the city gates as the players got through the, the gates, whether it was busting through or talking their way through or whatever. Uh, but then they get to the city and they want to go sneak their way in. Well, you can still find a way to adapt that thing that was going to happen as they're coming through the gates to happen instead when they are getting over the city walls or when they sneak their way in through the sewers and come up into the city and someone recognizes them as someone who shouldn't be there, then that's when that event gets to get triggered. Um, so yeah, it, it, if you are going to railroad do it in the right way, essentially is what I'm, uh, I'm getting at here, I guess. I don't know how you feel about that. Rob. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's kind of, it's one of those weird things because in this specific situation, basically the player's complaint was like, we felt that like we had a perfectly viable way to get into the city that we were being denied simply because the GM did not know how to react to it. Mm -hmm. Try to avoid that. Again, I feel really, I just feel so bad for this GM because I, I see how you, I can see with great clarity how this could happen, right? In terms of like how you're preparing your games and how you, for sure it's it's so hard to avoid. It's really easy to get tunnel vision, yeah, and it's so hard to avoid in any game preparation situation. It's so so hard to avoid the trap of like, and then the players are going to do this, and then this other thing happens, right? Because you don't know what the fuck the players are going to do. Yeah, no, you never know. You never know. Yeah. And um, so it kind of like it was. Yeah. So that's what like that's kind of like the micro economics, if you will, of railroading is like the over determination of like viable paths. Which I guess is the same as the, like the macro level problem. It just can like exist. It can be something smaller than like they're going this way. They're going this way that takes them away from where the adventure right. is, basically. No, that's a really great point. Is that sometimes you have to adjust to the smaller things as well as to the big things. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, like I said, it, it is really easy to get tunnel vision when you're in the thrills of preparing a session or a campaign of, you know, you want specific things to happen. Um, but you're, you're going to have to be flexible. 
Like, because like, as, as Rob said, there's no way you can prepare or know what the fuck the players are going to do. <laughs> it just, it's not possible. Uh, you can come up with scenarios and ways that you might be able to, but ultimately you need to be able to, uh, you know, improvise and adapt what you had planned to fit what the players are doing themselves as well. Um, and you can steer them in a little bit of the right direction as needed and make certain events occur without, again, taking away the agency that the players have in this game that they are playing with you. Yep. Yeah, you kind of have to avoid that sort of, well, what am I trying to say here exactly? We'll fix it. <laughs> it's okay. Jesus. But, um, I think um part yeah this to a certain extent I feel that this might be a bit endemic to Dungeons and Dragons specifically mm -hmm. uh just because the history of like running a game of D&D &D is like steeped in a grand tradition of like Gygaxian uh tyrant style like DMing for lack of a better term. for sure like <laughs> no uh, funny that you say that because i was just thinking that tomb the tomb of horrors is to blame for a lot of this <laughs> these ideas that people have about gms and dms uh comes from the tomb of horrors and things like it where it is so adversarially against the players um to the point of being almost impossible um and i think a lot of a lot of people think about dungeon masters that way and a lot of dungeon masters try to come up with games that are that way just because of some of this past precedent that has been set uh from gary gygax himself um but just that's, that's not the way that it has to be. <laughs> yeah. We're better than that. We've had time to figure out what this game is, and it can be different things than that. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like, it's like a stereotype that sort of calcified over decades, really. And Yeah, and for like, sure. Exa it's exactly what you said. It doesn't have to be like that. Um, yeah. And that, like, it's kind of one of those... Um, not to get too academic, I guess, but um, I'm going to butcher this. People are going to be all sorts of mad because like I'm going to fuck this up and it's going to I'm going to sound like an asshole. But like George Orwell wrote an essay called Shooting an Elephant. And he was talking about when he was in the British Foreign Service. I forget if it was India specifically or somewhere else. Um, but basically he was like the guy who was on duty, like the British empire guard who was on duty. Um, when there was like an elephant, like kind of on a rampage and the point he ultimately builds to is the, the big money line in the essay is when the white man turns tyrant, it is his own freedom. He destroys. And obviously the stakes involved in this sort of situation are, legions and legions and legions higher than like a stupid fucking game with like dice <laughs> right but i think that point holds for when you're running your game as well if you do dis if you for like do try and put if you do try to install yourself as like some sort of godhead you're going to make the game less fun for yourself as well for sure 
kind of on a completely different topic than what we've talked about so far here, Rob, but I do have a question for you uh, on your opinion on fudging dice rolls as a dungeon master. I am at a point these days where I kind of only do it um, if I roll something. Okay. Sorry. I have to bust out my pegboard and my like (laughs) and my pins and just talked about the theory of the game in general. Yeah. So I forget where I read this. Maybe it was it in the DMs guide. Ugh. Somewhere not too long ago, I was reading something that said, why do you roll dice in a game? You roll dice in a game, in a tabletop game, because the result is arbitrary. It cannot be determined by, um, it cannot be determined by anything the player described in terms of what they want to do. It can't be determined based on anything you described in terms of what you necessarily want to do. It's up in the air as to whether or not this proposed thing happens. Mm -hmm. So the thing with fudging dice rolls is it kind of, once I, after a while, after I had read that, it kind of felt to me, it's like, well, if you're fudging dice rolls, you kind of already fucked up. Because if you want something to happen, you can just have it happen. Mm -hmm. For sure. This is not a like universal thing. There are exceptions to this. Um, the main exception, the main reason why I would fudge a dice roll uh, nowadays, um, and maybe I'll waffle on this someday down the line, is basically this would like kill a player's character, mm. and mm-hmm. I don't really want that to happen because right. character death sucks. It sucks more. I would ra- like I would rather die ten times as a player than like kill off uh i was gonna say kill off one it's like that's not true i'm still bloodthirsty like (laughs) kill off like (laughs) kill off like three or four players because you feel bad because like all of a sudden like they don't have shit to do depending on how much game you have left they're like they're either gonna have to you know in some sense they're going to have to fuck off and do their own thing maybe that's going to Hopefully, if they're enjoying themselves enough or they're into the game enough, they'll like start making a new character. But you know, mm-hmm. they're still taken. They're still taken out of the thing, and so you don't want to do that. So that's kind of right. the main reason. But even so, that still kind of falls under that like basic precept. Like, well, if you don't want to kill this player, then maybe don't make it come down to a dice roll. That gets a little trickier, I think. In at least in D and D, because sometimes some shit happens. Like, like you set up. Say they set off a lightning bolt trap. Well, shit. They have to roll a saving throw, right? They have right. to like um, take some damage, or they have to take some damage. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say, or like. Sometimes I have like. I've had some nights where I've been DMing and like I'm getting a lot of crits. Like I'm getting mm. a lot in combat. Like I'm getting a lot, yep. a lot, a lot of crits. And then like I'll get another crit. Sometimes I'll be like, Yeah, no, no more crits. We're done. We're done fucking we're done murdering <laughs> these poor 
I'm done murdering yeah, these poor sure. schmucks because this wasn't even like within their power. They're just ha- this is just kind of a bad night. Um, that's another situation where I'd consider doing it. The thing and um, so yeah, that's kind of my. That's most of what I'd say about fudging dice rolls. Except one more thing, kind of more important, definitely falls under don't be a dick. Never fucking fudge dice rolls to make shit worse for your players. Don't do it. Just don't do it. For sure. Even if you think it's going to sound cool, don't do it. Just don't do it. It will always end in, if not ruination, then like, there's no point to it. There just isn't. For sure. Like, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm mostly agree with you. Um, I think there are a few more instances where I might fudge rolls, but it almost always comes down to combat, and it's it, it's kind of the other side of the coin of what you mentioned to prevent people from dying. I might fudge rolls that would potentially kill them with certain attacks. Um, but the other side of that is, you know, if my minions or whatever creatures I've got going up against the party have just been whiffing constantly and they're making short work of all of them and I want wanted this to be something of a challenge, I might just decide that this next roll that rolls a one is actually a hit. Now, I'm never going to say like, oh, well, this is a you know critical hit and you're taking a boatload of damage, but... Sometimes you need to change things just a bit um, in order to present a little bit of a challenge to the party, um, especially if you're just rolling garbage on your side of the screen. Um, But I I always say, you know, if you're going to fudge rolls, it needs to be done fairly and for the sake of story and not, like you said, not to just arbitrarily make things difficult for the party. Like if you're in the middle of a pretty tough combat for the party already, you don't want to fudge a roll to make them hit when it wouldn't because they're already taking a lot of damage. Um, but if you, if they're, you know, on the ropes and you're crit and maybe you don't want to do crit damage to them because this creature has six D six of poison damage that it's already going to do to them with its attack. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then yeah, maybe that's okay to not have that be a crit. Uh, and still hurt them, but just not in the worst way possible. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of my yeah. principle around fudging dice rolls: is do it fairly and for the sake of story, and not to make things harder for the players. Yep, because like, yeah, there, it's kind of one of those things where like, there's another kind of broader point in terms of like making things harder for your players is that like they are almost certainly going to like um if you are running out of a published module unless it's like kind of a like beginner's module and even then like um if you're running out of a module if you're doing a homebrew and you're at least being somewhat conscientious about your encounter building um there are are i guarantee you there are going to be parts where your players struggle anyway right you don't For need sure. to like you don't need to hustle you shouldn't need to hustle too hard to like um introduce that element of like For sure yeah i guess i had a my brain did a thing where it was like i should um 
I also had a question, and now I don't remember what it is. <laughs> For you. No, that's fine. We can circle back to that if yeah. you think of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we've covered quite a bit here. I don't know that I necessarily have any other advice per se for DMs. Um, I think, you know, I always say to people who want to try to Dungeon Master for the first time, it's probably smart to start with a pre-written adventure um, if you've never done it before, just because it will give you all of the all of the tools that you need to run that one shot or even that campaign. Um, It's not necessarily the case. I mean, my first time GMing, I made, I went really deep into world building and then uh, made an adventure that would lead the party towards a campaign that I had sort of, planned everything out before writing the first adventure right (laughs) which maybe in hindsight wasn't the best way to go about it but it's it's good to at least if you're not going to run a pre-written adventure probably read some pre-written adventures just so you can have an idea for the flow of you know what a adventure should be like um before you get into writing your own that, that's yeah. my advice to new DMs is either run, you know, something that is simple and, um, you know, someone else has already written out for you or take some time to read what other people have written as far as adventures and then go off and write your own from that. Yeah, that's, that's totally reasonable. I think, uh, I um I have I also the first time I DM'd did not use a pre-written adventure and you know it worked out I guess but it was also <laughs> right. like it also made things kind of that much harder I suppose I think um if I were giving advice to brand new DMs I would start at the same place uh, at a very similar place to where I start with new players and that is the first bit of advice I would say is like run the sort of game you would want to play in. Absolutely. Run a game that you think is going to that like because if you think this is going to be fun then like your players are going to respond to that. Um for sure. And that maybe that maybe that means it's more story focused, maybe that means it's a bit more rules focused, maybe that means it's a bit more dungeon crawly, maybe that means it's a bit more like improv heavy, maybe that means it's multiples of those things. Um but that's the starting point is what is kind of like your ideal game and what would you do to facilitate that? The second thing I would say is if you are a brand new um GM um Hopefully, hopefully you've been, ideally you will have played the game in question at least some. That doesn't always happen, especially I think if you're like, for sure. So when I was playing in like middle school, especially it's just like, it's hard to find like somebody else between the ages of like 12 and 15 who has like had extensive playing experience. Right. Uh, so like you may find yourself in a position where like yeah uh you're running the game and nobody has even really played before including yourself um ideally you will have played at least a little bit but if not that's gonna be okay because here's what yeah. you're gonna do 
you're going to read all of the source books that you're using. All the core books or all of the core books and additional source books, whatever that may be. Just read them all. Cover to cover, actually. Like, it's going to take a while, but you should do it. That sounds very scary, but I'm going to make it less scary when I say you don't have to memorize any of this. Just familiarize yourselves with the layout of them. Be able, be familiar enough with them to have a vague idea of how to look stuff up in any of them. And I mean, if you can memorize some rules, great. But just remember, you don't have to memorize all the rules. So just kind of, yeah. So just as long as you know how to look them up, this is like, this is kind of broader life advice, but my mom told me, uh, back when I was an impressionable young lad that, uh, one of the most useful phrases in your entire life is going to be like, uh, is I don't know, but I can find out for you. You should. And that's invaluable advice. I found that to be invaluable advice for GMing. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and kind of to just build off of that, like, you know, we said in the uh, player tips that you don't have to know the rules because your GM will be able to tell you what to do. And as a GM, you don't need to know all the rules. And that's that's okay if you don't. You know, to go back to what we said earlier, you can pause the game to look stuff up. Um it's probably a good idea to, as Rob said, you know, find a way to uh, be able to get through rule books quickly if you need to find answers for things. So I, I like to, you know, mark my books up. Um, but that's me, uh, you know, finding little tabs and things to put uh, on sections. I mean, I have my monster's manual um, tabbed by the alphabet. Uh, and I have my player's handbook tabbed by the different chapters um, of the player's handbook. So, uh Actually, I think even the classes I broke down by class as well. So, yeah. Um, nice. I, I kind of, because yeah, I tend to, uh, fuck, we'll fix it in post. Uh, <laughs> I, um, no, I was just saying, I, um, yeah, bookmarks are good. I kind of, this is kind of my own style thing, but. I kind of try and rely on bookmarks and tabs a little less just because I've done it in the, when I was running Pathfinder games, um, back in the day. And even once I started up running fifth edition, what I found I would do was like, I would put in a bookmark basically anywhere in the monster manual that like I would potentially need to use during a session. And that was all Mm -hmm. of a sudden like too many bookmarks, you know? Cause like all of a sudden it's like, uh, they got a little crowded. Um, so I kind of tend to use them for, um, in fifth edition, what I use them now is I mostly use bookmarks for boss monsters because Mm -hmm. I find Mm -hmm. that, um, to kind of pull back the curtain, I guess, like I, uh, journal my sessions pretty in a, like my own weird shorthand that makes sense to me and literally nobody else, but like that includes <laughs> right. like, combat and that includes tracking initiative and enemy hit points and all that jazz. But if it's a boss monster or really anything with spell slots, honestly, I like, I will, that's when I'll make like a note card that also serves as the bookmark. Cause then I can track all of that stuff separately. That's, 
What was my point? Oh, God. Uh, I, I think the point is find ways to hack the game that work for you. Uh, and not necessarily hack the game, but but um, make use of your, more like hacking your resources, right? Like whether it's the monster's manual or your core rule books or your dungeon master's guide or whatever, you know, make sure that you know well enough, however it is that it's best to organize for you, um, ways to get to what you need quickly without getting in your own way by having too much stuff that you can sort through in your book or books. Yes. The, yes. That is exactly my point. <laughs> yeah. Stay organized and know how to find stuff pretty quick. And then, uh, my DMs guide. I also, uh, I only have two bookmarks in my DMG right now. There's the one that, uh, describes, um, the, um, it like the kind of like how, experience points are modified based on the encounter size mm. and then also the like big table that's like different types of gems by uh, <laughs> for value. sure yeah, yeah I, I definitely keep a, a bookmark in the uh the treasure section which leads into treasure and magic items and all of that uh and downtime as well just because i often find myself having to go back to that to be like wait how does carousing work again or let me look at this table yeah. that they have here for this specific thing so um yeah w whatever is yeah. most useful to you as the, the dm or gm and uh if you're new it's going to take you a while to figure that out and that's okay um just you know don't don't worry about it don't worry about having to pause the game to sort things out and look up rules or whatever um, but also try to have yourself organized enough that you're not going to take too long looking something up. Yeah, for sure. Also use a screen. You don't have to use a screen, but I say use a screen. For Especially sure. Screens have valuable... Um, a good screen has valuable cheat sheets, and you want... If you don't have a screen, you're kind of... In the very limited um, circumstances in which you do may wish to fudge dice rolls, like you kind of don't have that option if you don't have a screen. So I, <laughs> yeah. use a, I always use a screen. For sure. Um, and you can hide all of the minis that you're going to put on the map behind the screen as well so that you can surprise the players with what types of creatures they're encountering. For sure. And like I try to I try to avoid like advice that comes in the form of like buy more shit, but like you can make a homemade screen. It's possible. Oh, for sure. And yeah. in some ways it might be kind of And there are lots of online Yeah. So I was just like in some ways it might be more desirable because like shit, the fifth edition screen like you may decide that like the stuff that you want on your screen that you want cheat cheated is different from the stuff that's on the like official Absolutely. or the like made one. Yeah, and there are a lot of online resources of people that have made uh, sort of their own mock-ups for the cheat sheets that would go on the inside of a DM screen. So definitely look those up. Don't be afraid to use other people's resources uh, because we're all playing this game and a lot of people like to share stuff about the game and about how they run the game and it's often super useful so yeah 
make use of other it's people's true. resources. We are all nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. We are all the sorts of nerds who, if we get like kind of drunk and rowdy, we will absolutely corner you for like two hours and explain our thoughts. <laughs> yes, indeed. And we put those resources out there so that people can use them and appreciate and enjoy. Exactly. Them. And yeah. And the, the other side to that is that if you are an experienced GM and you found ways of making the game easier for yourself, put those resources out there for other people. I promise you someone else will make use of them. Um, I have been DMing for some time now, but even when I was a new DM and I was coming up with stuff, I would, you know, post things on a, a subreddit or, you know, talk about stuff on forums and shit and get feedback of people saying like, oh, that's a really great idea. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess it is. So uh, have fun doing that thing. Word. For sure. Yeah. And I guess that kind of leads into like, just because you're new at the game doesn't mean you can't have original ideas about the game also. So share your shit because we all want to hear it. We all want to see it. For sure. 100%. Awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, Any any closing remarks from you, Rob? Don't be a dick. (laughs) Yes. Rule number one, rule number 100, don't be a dick. Actually, that was kind of dickish. (laughs) Don't be a dick. That was better. All right. (laughs) All right. How about you, Mike? Any last concluding thoughts? Sorry. Oh, any concluding thoughts? No, I also agree. My um, my concluding thought is just to reiterate rule number one is don't, don't be a dick. Uh, talk to your players. Figure out what they have fun doing and do more of that. And uh, have fun yourself. Like, if you're having fun, your players are going to have fun. As long as you're abiding by rule number one. word so yeah thanks for tuning in today everybody i have been mike daniel joined by rob Mackey, uh and we are 19 hits the dragon a couple of quick shout outs to some peeps here um our editor is my lovely fiance hannah miller yep and uh the music uh, theme song and music were done by paul Mackey. uh you can contact us on by email our email is 19 hits the dragon that's the number 19 hits the dragon all one word at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter at 19 hits the dragon again the number 19 hits the dragon all one word we'd love to hear from you send us your comments your questions absolutely uh and uh anything else that's on your mind we're yeah we're always down for sure like subscribe uh give us a rating leave a review however you can from wherever you're getting our your podcast um always helps us out and uh, we appreciate feedback and it helps us grow a little bit as well uh if you like what you're hearing feel free to tell a friend about it too so that they can also like what they're hearing (laughs) and we can uh, can get to some more uh build our fan base here All all right thanks for listening everybody take care Yep, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.